Well, hello, everyone. This is JB with NBW Ministries, proclaiming the clear, accurate, and urgent gospel message from my studio beneath the sky, tucked away under the tall timbers of Colorado. Merry Christmas, everyone. I know we're still a couple of weeks away, but I'm in the Christmas spirit today. Thank you for joining us. It is Wednesday, December the 13th, 2023, and I can't wait to talk to my good friend, Grandpa Randy, uh, also known as Grandpa Claire. <laughs> Uh, and uh, because uh, people think he's clairvoyant. Uh, but we've been uh, chatting for a bit here before we started recording, and boy, I can't wait to just dive into the discussion uh, with him. Before we do that, as always, I'd like to give you a couple of quick announcements and then look at a passage of Scripture to set the tone. Um, so once again, just want to start with thank you. Thank you for your prayers, for your support. It has been just a, an amazing year at NBW Ministries. We've accomplished so many of our goals, which we could not have done without your help. We've expanded so many areas of our ministry, added uh, my daughter, Brooke, uh, January 1st, who's been a huge blessing on our staff all year long. Many of you have probably interacted with her. We produced some new products, and it's just been a fantastic uh, year. And uh, if it sounds like we're kind of winding down, even though there's a couple of weeks to go. That's because we head out on a family trip uh, tomorrow, and uh, we like to carve out the last part of December every year for a personal time after going strong all year. It's just our way of recuperating and getting ready for the next year. So we'll be out of pocket for a couple of weeks, but we have pre-recorded uh, very, spent a lot of time over the last couple of weeks, sometimes doing five or six podcasts a day uh, to fill the pipeline with some fantastic guests uh, over the next couple of weeks, taking us through uh, to the end of the year. So you don't want to miss our daily podcast. Uh, it's going to be great. This week already, uh, we've started out with a bang with Alex Newman on Monday. I hope you caught that one, climate change and the end of the world as we know it. Yesterday, we had my appearance on the Life Clips podcast. That was a great discussion and a great interview. Uh, tomorrow, we've got Lucas Doremus back on talking about rejoicing in judgment. That was a really great discussion. I hope you'll make uh, time to listen to that. Just some great thoughts, probably some things you've never thought about from God's Word as it relates to God's coming judgment. And then Friday, first-time guest Russ Harbin. Uh, he's a pastor from the Atlanta, Georgia area. I've known him for probably 30 years, uh, 25 years at least. Been in his churches multiple times. He's been in my churches. Dear friend, and he's going to share an incredible testimony uh, of, of healing. Is anything too hard for God? That's what we're going to talk about. You want to catch that interview for sure. That's this Friday. And then this week, while we're on the road, we've got a special Saturday podcast. We do that from time to time. And I was asked to be on the Truth to Faith podcast, and we're going to air that this coming Saturday. So still lots to come this week in the weeks to come. Uh, as we're enjoying some family time, we've got some pre-recorded interviews that we've done over the last week or so with Leo Homan, uh, talking about jackbooted tyranny is upon us. I've got a very wonderful, a heartwarming interview with Bob Ulrich, uh, the co-founder and COO of Prophecy Watchers Ministry, uh, talking about a life of miracles. And, and like my friend Russ's interview, this interview with Bob is also going to really tug at your heartstrings and just remind us of what an amazing God we serve. And then next week on Friday, Lee Brainerd, first-time guest, he's become a, a very good friend and just a brilliant mind, and we're going to be talking about debunking rapture debunking again. <laughs> uh, we talk about this a lot, but um, that's a great interview, really looking forward uh, to that. And then uh, Christmas week, we've got, we're going to be replaying some of my messages from Beaumont that we have not posted yet to the general public, so these are some great discussions of some key biblical texts that are often misunderstood, like John 15, James 2, 1 John 3, uh, Romans 10. And so uh, you'll enjoy that, I think, during the week of Christmas. But we are uh, going to be out of pocket. You can still reach us by email and phone, but you'll get an auto reply that says, hey, if it's not urgent, we will return your call when we get back. Obviously, if anything urgent comes up, we'll do our best to respond in a timely uh, manner. But uh, again, just want to say thank you. Uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you. And, uh, you know, as you think about the coming year, if you if the Lord puts it on your heart and you share our passion 
uh, for advancing the clear, accurate, and urgent, amazing message of God's grace, then we'd love uh, for you to consider maybe a year-end gift if the Lord puts that on your heart. But either way, your prayers are what are most appreciated. Uh, God is using this ministry, uh, and we are thankful for it, and we know that the prayer covering that we receive uh, from our friends like you is a huge part of what keeps us safe on the road, safe from the enemy, and we covet those prayers more than anything else. Uh, I want to remind you that this podcast that we're doing right now with Randy is available in video format for our premier subscribers. Uh, we've been getting lots of great feedback from our premier subscribers, uh, how much they enjoy the being able to watch the videos. The audio, of course, is available to anyone, uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search for NBW Ministries or Not By Works Ministries. But if you'd like to see Grandpa Randy and see our discussion and our interaction, uh, consider subscribing to our premier membership. It's a small monthly fee, uh, or you can subscribe for a year and save uh, a little bit of money there. Uh, but it's uh, it, you can cancel at any time. But lots of extra content, lots of uh, uh, special uh, you know resources available just to the Premier family, including our periodic Zoom sessions. And let me mention that because we're going to be on the road, our next Premier member Zoom session will not be till uh, January. I appreciate your patience on that, uh, but we will have a lot to talk about as we kick off 2024. And those are for Premier members only, where you can ask questions and we bring on guests, and it's a great opportunity. So consider uh, Premier subscribers, uh, a subscription if you haven't already. Um, with that, let me mention a scripture verse, and then we'll uh, get all the good news from Grandpa Randy. I don't know if that makes sense or not, but uh, I mean, you know, when things are falling apart, it just means they're falling into place. Amen. So uh, Proverbs, right. <laughs> Proverbs 13, 12 uh, says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. And I was thinking about this idea of hope. You know, when we hope for something for a long time and it never really materializes, you know, it has an effect on us, right? It, it can, we can feel de de disappointed, even depressed. That's what it means when it says it makes the heart, heart sick. But when we hope for something and then we get it, it's it's rejuvenating, it's invigorating. It's it's like a tree of life, which is a both a literal thing in the garden as well as in the new heavens and the new earth, but also a metaphor throughout Scripture for this vibrancy of life. And, and when we get what we hope for, it, it feels that way. Um, but as I was thinking about that verse, I was reminded of uh, the great Harry A. Ironside. Now, if you follow, you know, dispensational pre-tribulational theology, uh, you'll know that name very well. I often cite him. He was in, extremely influential in popularizing uh, the dispensational approach to Scripture. Of course, dispensationalism goes all the way back to the Bible, the first century, but it really came into focus, as uh, I talked about with Lee Brainerd on that interview that's going to be posting here in a week or so. Um, it came into focus in the 19th century, and H.A. Ironside was right in the middle of all that. But despite his lack of formal education, his mental capacity, his photographic memory, and his zeal for the Lord— uh, caused him to be one of the most influential uh, theologians of the 20th century. He was influential in helping uh, start Dallas Seminary or in the early days of Dallas Seminary. He was a contemporary of C.I. Schofield. And uh, by the way, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, every time I mention Schofield, I'll get an email or two from people saying, don't you know he was a, a, you know, a, a weirdo or something? Not at all. It's all false information. Listen to the Lee Brainerd interview on debunking rapture debunking, and we talk about some of those tired old false, provably false, uh, you know, accusations. But Ironside's uh, commentaries uh, and, and, you know, books, he's, he wrote over a hundred books, pamphlets. Um, he's just an amazing, he even wrote some hymns. Uh, but I wish we had time to tell you the whole story. I just want to mention a couple of things from him before I give you the quote to, to give you some context and meaning behind this incredible man of God. He was Canadian, born in uh, Toronto, uh, and his parents were active in the Plymouth Brethren, that, that denomination uh, started by J.N. Darby in the 19th century. Um, but what's amazing is right from the beginning, God's hand of um, blessing and healing was on him because when he was born, he was thought to be dead. And so the attending nurses focused their attention on Sophia, his mom, who was also dangerously ill. And only later when they found a pulse in Harry, 40 minutes later, they resuscitated him, and uh, and he he turned out to live an unbelievable life of, of spreading the gospel and, and help drawing people to the Lord. When he was two years old, his father died of typhoid at the age of 27, yeah. and very early on, Ironside 
showed a very strong interest in uh, Christianity. His family moved to Los Angeles. They found there was no Sunday school to attend there. This was in 1886. And so at the age of 11, Harry Ironside started his own Sunday school at the age of 11. He and some of his buddies, his childhood friends, gathered burlap bags, sewed them together, and produced a burlap tent that could accommodate up to 100 people. And he himself, at the age of 11, did all the teaching, and they averaged about 60 children and a few adults each week. In 1888, Dwight Moody did a revival in Los Angeles, and uh, he, uh, uh, Ironside attended, and it was there that he really began to feel the convicting uh, work of the Holy Spirit in his life, and he realized that he had never truly trusted in Christ. He'd never been born again, that he had grown up in a Christian environment and been all around the Word and even knew how to t teach the Word, but he'd never been saved. So at the age of 13, he received Christ. He was quoted as saying, quote, I rested on the Word of God and confessed Christ as my Savior. It's a beautiful description of what happens when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again. Uh, but uh, he continued his preaching, uh, and he just uh, continued to serve the Lord. Uh, at the When he was in the eighth grade, he began working at part-time as a cobbler, but then he decided he had, he'd had enough of education. He never attended school again after the eighth grade, and, he, and, and such was the course of his life as he continued to serve the Lord, write, speak, teach for many, many, many years. And so just an incredible man of God. I encourage you to read his uh, biography. You can find it online. But here's the quote, again, going back to Proverbs 13, 12, as we bring Randy on, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. And here's what Ironside said about this verse. The ever unsatisfied longing of a hungry soul results in faintness of spirit and sickness of heart. Such is the hopeless hope of the Christless. How blessed the contrast in the case of the Christian. And, uh, you know, Randy, there are a lot of hopeless people out there right now because they don't have the Lord. They don't have a, a true north, a, a way to interpret all of the craziness in this world. And one of the things we've tried to do in our recent books is give people a, a framework from Scripture to connect all the dots and understand where things are heading. But by contrast, as Ironside said, uh, we have a hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. So, Something tells me if uh, if this world events update goes like previously previous ones, we're going to need to hang on to that hope more than ever before, aren't we? Pretty much. <laughs> what I would suggest is when we're done today, you go somewhere, listen to some Christmas music, and just enjoy that. Mm -hmm. Because this is an emergency update for everybody. Hallmark movies are not reality. If I watch one more of them, I'm going to barf. So all you women out there, you men that watch these, these are not reality, okay? Uh, the more I talk to people watching that stuff, it's kind of like they lose sense and touch with reality. Anyway, so much for that. All right. Now, one of the big things that's going around this week is the new movie, uh, Leave the World Behind. I think the only place you can watch it is on Netflix, which is unfortunate. but. I don't belong to Netflix. I do now because I wanted to watch this. And so I did reel it up the other night, about eight o'clock at night and watch this. It's not a bad production. It has some decent stars in it. Um, you know, we have Julia Roberts. We have Kevin Bacon, Ethan Hawke. Now, if you want to see what you're going to look like in later years, watch this movie because they have not aged gracefully. But anyway, this movie is basically about what will happen to the United States if there was a massive cyber attack. Now, if you do watch it, understand that the mayhem that would take place after a cyber attack would be a thousand times worse than what is portrayed in the movie. Now, as I'm going through the movie, I'm watching it very carefully, and I had to rewind it a couple of times because there's a lot of symbolism there are a lot of very uh, uh, interesting comments made, which are getting across the points that um, the executive producers, Barack and Michelle Obama, wanted to get across. Now, that right there should tell you where this movie is going. So anyway, as we're watching this, they're showing what would happen, you know, if there's a cyber attack, there is no communication there is no information. 
These people are abandoned in a house by themselves, not knowing what's going on. The emergency action message from the United States government comes up, says this is due to, um, what do they call it? An unexplained emergency, I believe. And so it didn't give them a lot of idea. It didn't tell them it was a cyber attack, anything like that. What I got out of the movie, and I think a lot of people would agree, maybe not everybody, but this movie basically shows that there's no hope. It brings up the attitudes that are prevalent in America, you know, the black versus right, white um, problems, you know, racial problems, which, you know, there's a there are issues there, but that just wasn't appropriate for this movie, I didn't believe. It shows that the movie will attack or the cyber attack will affect the rich, the poor, everybody. It basically shows that no matter how you prepare for an attack like this, um, bad things could happen to you, which is exactly right. Mm. You could get caught outside of your house. Uh, you've got your food, your ammo, you've got your water and everything else, but things still happen. Um, you know, I think everybody talks about predictive programming in the future. I kind of think maybe it's a lot closer than what most people realize. Watching this movie, it gave me a really dark feeling. And lo and behold, two days later, we have a massive cyber attack, which occurred on Monday, affecting banks, uh, the government, the military, everything else here and in the Ukraine. Now, a lot of people probably don't even know about that, but it was a very serious cyber attack. And the damage it caused will be long lasting, going to be a long time before um the repairs can be made. Now, people are always asking, what do you think is going to happen to us? Is it going to be cyber attack? Is it going to be some kind of an EMP? Is it going to be an invasion? You know, there's no way to know. Nobody knows. Even the people that are going to probably plan the attack do not know. But this morning, as I woke up, the first thing the good Lord put right in front of my face was Deuteronomy 28. Now, if you read the first 14 verses, it basically tells what happens when you obey the Lord, worship the Lord, etc. When you go to verse 15 through 69, it tells you what happens to those that don't. Mm. Now, if you want to see where America is at right now, go ahead and read that when we're done. Not right now, but when we're done. Because I tell you what, it just, that was the most real thing I've read in a long time. It was just there and good Lord saying, America, this is where you're at. This is what's going to happen to you. A lot of people do not believe that America is under judgment, but I do. I do not believe that the United States of America will be um, a power or maybe even a country when the Gog Magog War and some of the things in the future happen. People agree. People disagree. Everybody has their own opinion. That's great. What I'm saying is, if you look around right now where America is at, and if it doesn't shake you to your bones, then you don't understand what is happening. Yeah, let me let me ask a question here. So uh, I saw something about that cyber attack, but it must have mostly been in other parts of the world. Or did we have any uh, impact of it here in the United States? There was a lot of impact here, but they kept it quiet. The um, a lot of okay, let's see what we've got here. Water utility companies shut down an oil and gas pipeline, Texas Power Grid, telecommunications, and it affected Guam and the United States. Hmm. Now, what's really scary is they didn't really say much about it, hmm. but it shut down ATMs, it caused problems with the banking industry. So it's it's much more serious, and it just goes to show that our government is never honest with us. Hmm. Um, this was caused by the Volt Typhoon uh, Group, which is Chinese-sponsored. And basically, it's very interesting, the, uh, the system that they have in place. Uh, what they do is this malware is introduced into these systems that they're targeting. And basically, it doesn't touch the disk or anything like that. It doesn't trigger antivirus software. It um, basically goes in and archives all of the data that is on the hard drive or wherever they're positioned. 
It basically archives it for future use. That was what this attack was for. The problem is it steals the credentials of the programs that it is going into the systems. At any time in the future, it can go back in and become an aggressive type of malware, which will basically take over everything. So there were some effects now, but in the future could be the problem. And the problem is the United States government goes, we don't know if that virus, malware, whatever it was, is still present in our systems or if we were able to take care of it, which tells me it's still there. And we've talked about the Chinese interfering with the launch codes and everything before. Understand that the Chinese are probably as advanced as any country on this earth, and they do not intend anything good for us in the future. Yeah, you know, speaking of that uh, movie, it's kind of coincidental (laughs) that uh, when I started getting an email from you and some of our other listeners about it, that previous night, just by coincidence, I had seen the the trailer for that uh, movie on a Netflix. I was uh, channel surfing on our TV. The way it works is if any of the kids have been on it, it opens up on the, you know, it's one of those smart TVs, which means they're spying on us. But uh, anyway, that's all you can buy these days. Uh, and uh, it opens up to where it left off. And so that was right there on Netflix kind of as a, a highlight and a, a recommendation. And so I watched the trailer and I thought, wow, this is uh, kind of interesting that they'd be promoting a big Hollywood movie. I didn't know at the time that the, the Obamas were the ones that were behind it. Um, but I thought, well, this is interesting because I've been following predictive programming for 20 years. And I thought, man, that's that's just more evidence that that's likely to happen this year. And then I started getting the backstory about it and you, you kind of weighed in. And so it's weird how these things all kind of run in waves. Of course, that's by design. They they promote it and hype it up. And so chances are everybody was seeing seeing the trailer for it all about the same time. But uh, so, yeah, I think we, we've been saying for some time that 2024, that's one of the many tools in their tool bag is some type of cyber attack. And this just kind of makes us think uh, that that's more and more likely. Well, and what's also concerning, our favorite man, Mr. Schwab, has said there will be a massive cyber attack against the United States in 2024. A lady by the name of Whitney Webb, who I consider one of the most intelligent and articulate people that I have ever had the pleasure of listening to, says the same thing. Hmm. She does research that very few are capable of. She understands it. She must have sources that are unbelievable. How she's still alive, I don't understand it, but she's predicting the same thing. Hmm. So I believe that the cyber attack, I, I'd put a really good and high possibility on that happening soon. Hmm. So, all right. Our white lung syndrome is showing up all over the United States. Uh, it is in many states a very heavy. Some of the other ones are just starting. The problem is, and what I don't understand, is this white lung disease, this new pneumonia, is caused by different bacteria. We have the uh, streptococcus, we have mycoplasma and adenovirus causing the same type of disease and symptoms in different people. Now, the problem is, I don't know if many people have died from it yet. They're trying to figure out what this virus is, you know, if it's something new, if it's something that's been there, But I am sure that this is probably the start of what they're going to be blessing us with this year. Now, I did some research. This is current research on people that were hospitalized because of COVID over the last few years. And this concerns me a lot. This basically addresses only cancer, but shows the increase of the chance of cancer in people that were hospitalized because of COVID. All right. In an increase of renal cancer of 216%, colon cancer, 72%, lung cancer, 70%, leukemia, 228%, multiple myeloma, 121%, and non-Hodgkin lymphoma, 115% compared to the general public. Now, I believe those statistics right there should make somebody believe and understand that this COVID 
was a lot more than just a virus. Mm-hmm. It The people that were hospitalized, I don't know what the difference in the vaccine was. I mean, information keeps coming in. But what worries me is if these are these if these are the results we see now, what did it actually cause in the long term for diseases and problems that we haven't even discovered yet? Nice thing is, you know, they're coming out with additional uh, vaccines for us. So I mean, I'm sure that makes everybody feel very good. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I can remember way back in the in the midst of the pandemic when I was writing Spirit of the Antichrist, Volume 1, and we were doing those video series, uh, there were a lot of experts, I mean, medical doctors, scientists, credentialed people who were warning that as bad as it was then, just give it five years and you'll, you're going to see, a, 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 you know, just a devastating effect of this uh, bi- gene altering bio injection that so many people took. Um, but I always like to point out when this subject comes up that, <clears throat> and I think our listeners know this, but we, we're getting new listeners all the time. So, you know, keep in mind that they had multiple batches from the four different vaccine uh, you know, companies that produce the COVID quote unquote vaccine. Uh, some of those, they, they all had different ingredients and some of those were, were were not as deadly, not as problematic. And in fact, some of them weren't deadly at all. They just were slow kill type type things. And some of them were just placebos. And so, uh, you know, it's not as simple as just saying, well, I took the shot or I know someone who took the shot and they're perfectly fine. Well, that that may be, they, they dodged a bullet in that case. But these Luciferians love death they they have no problem killing thousands upon thousands of people. <clears throat> I document that in both of my Spirit of the Antichrist books. Uh, it's a long history of, of love for death. Satan, Jesus says, was a murderer from the beginning. <clears throat> and so his earthly accomplices thrive in an environment of death. And so it's absolutely no uh, nothing for them to kill people. But it's also very complex. It's not as simple as just taking a gun and shooting somebody. <clears throat> this uh, pre-planned control of virus scamdemic, as we call it in the books, has had had multiple goals in mind, all of them nefarious. And and so, you know, it's not just about, and, and by the way, the virus itself was a bioweapon. We now know that uh, unmistakably. Uh, so, you know, but you've got the, the virus and, and multiple viruses that, you know, come on, come after that. You've got the alleged cure for the virus, which is not a cure. It just compounds the problem. You've got, you know, the, the whole all kinds of complex things kind of being weaved together to serve the purposes of the bad guys. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty frightening. And, and I think that could all come to a head next year too, don't you? Or this 2024? Uh, definitely. I mean, to have that kind of an increase in cancers is unheard of. I mean, you could live over a uranium mine probably and never have anything quite that severe. So we know it's a targeted virus. We know it's affecting people. We know the globalists, Luciferians slash other losers, want a population of no more than 500 million. So what an insidious, slow way to start getting rid of people. Mm -hmm. They just start dying off. And, you know, they're going to notice that there's a big increase in cancer, but most people never put two and two together. So it's interesting that I noticed that the Department of Health in Nebraska, of all places, is now starting to gather all the medical information on people in Nebraska and that are treated as patients from other places, putting it into a big database. Now, I would have never thought that from Nebraska because they just don't go with the flow. Basically, they are still conservative. What I'm thinking is they're doing this. Somebody presented it to them under the false pretenses of, hey, this is going to help you. And so if you want to know how a digital ID and some of that stuff is going to begin, things like this. You know, I'm going to get into in a little bit. um, People don't understand why medical records are important. Well, medical records are important. Because if they do intend to get rid of large amounts of people, you have to remember if you have a pacemaker, if you have an insulin pump, all of the registration numbers and serial numbers are in your medical records. Once they get that, they're going to be able to hack into whatever you've got. It's electrical, mechanical in your body. They'll see what you're susceptible to. They'll be able to tell what you've been vaccinated for. They have everything they need to control the population. And with the digital ID, which we know is coming sooner or later, they're going to have that information and 
it'll be available immediately to them. So yeah, yeah, it's we're heading towards if the Lord doesn't come back soon, or, or either way, it's just a question of whether we'll be here. We're headed towards a time of forced euthanasia. They will absolutely, um, you know, decide whether you get the medicines you need based on your, what they consider your value and your carbon footprint. You know, we saw coming out of COP28, I can't wait to have Alex Newman back on to get some firsthand reflections from him being up there at that uh, meeting in Dubai. Uh, but we saw all kinds of new agreements that the countries signed on to. So, you know, they're, they're, we're heading towards a forced euthanasia type of um, a concept. And if you remember when we were kids, uh, Randy, uh, we did those experiments and I was public schooled. And so I can remember in junior high doing those uh, uh, group assignments where you'd sit around your group and you'd have this sort of hypothetical scenario where there's four or five people on a boat and there's only, let's say there's five people, there's only four life jackets. And who do you, you know, who gets to, who who has to die? Who do you let die and who do you save? And then it tells you one person's a, a doctor, one person's an engineer, one person's a preacher, one person's this or that. And you're, you know, they were conditioning us even way back then to moral relativism, to that 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 life has does not have inherent value. The sanctity of life doesn't exist. It's all about one's usefulness. Um, and uh, these these whole concepts were conditioned, you know, into our minds early on, uh, you know, in the in the uh, education camps that we call public schools. Yes, and if you want to see a program that basically is ahead of us and you want to know where we're going, look at Canada. Mm. They will let you partake in euthanasia for mental problems, um, of course, the diseases and injuries and stuff that um, will ultimately be fatal, but they're yeah. getting to be very liberal. How, how long will it be until I just don't like living? So I go to Canada and they'll go ahead and put me to sleep. I think that's, that's right around the bend. That's exactly what we're seeing. You're right. I mean, it's it's made MAID, uh, the Canadian Assisted Suicide Law. I talked about this earlier this year in Orlando at my message there on uh, the bloodlust, Luciferian bloodlust, and how much they love death. But yeah, you know, we just talked about Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you're in Canada and you're depressed, you can kill yourself legally. And you just go into the doctor, make an appointment, say, I'm not feeling too well today. I'm kind of down, you know, the Cowboys lost or, you know, whatever it is. And so uh, shoot me up. I'd like to enter eternity. And they glorify it. I played a commercial in that conference message um, that is just sickening. Uh, and 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 I think, by the way, one more thing on this, Randy, is you talk about how you were getting to the point where you can just go to Canada and do it. I think that's part of the conditioning with this uh, Dodds decision uh, on the Supreme Court re relating to abortion where now they've got uh, abortion tourism, where people can just go from one state to the other uh, and find a place that will legally kill the baby. And so we're, they're, they're kind of getting us in the habit of, well, you might have to travel a little bit, but you can do just about anything you want legally if you just find the right place that's, that's going to do it. And so, uh, man, it's all stacking up, I believe. Well, I agree totally, because look at the federal government employees in the military. They will pay for their people to travel to have an abortion. Now, why they're using our tax money for something like that escapes me. But then I look at what else is going on. You know, we have a statue of Satan in the Iowa Capitol. It's on display. And you can go up and you touch it. You can talk to it. And what else is nice? The satanic group... Um, I forget what their full name is. I'm not even going to give them the benefit of that, are going to have after hours at an elementary school in Florida on January 10th. They're going to be providing the activities. Now, how we ever permitted something like that to get into our school system is beyond me. We can't worship God. We can't pray. We can't talk about that. But we can have the satanic group come in to our schools and entertain our kids. America, I'm going to tell you what, God, God is watching and he's shaking his head. And, I, you know, he's checking that list twice. I can promise you that. <laughs> right. All right. For all of us old duffers, grandpas, grandmas, and other assorted individuals on Social Security. We have talked about this a couple of times, how Social Security basically has a clawback program in force for all of those that they overpaid, they are now going back and demanding repayment of those funds within 30 days. Now, 
here's the U.S. government for you. Initially, they had thought there will be just about a million people that they're going to be contacting around this time of the year. Ho, ho, ho. Well, no, there are actually two million people that they are expecting to pay back. Let's see if you if it, the overpayment was in 2022. There's one million twenty eight thousand three hundred eighty nine of you getting a letter soon. If it was in 2023, there are 986,912 of you that will be getting this special letter. Now, they screwed up. They made the mistake when they were doling out the funds. And now, right before Christmas, they want all of these people to pay all of that money back. Hmm. Now, I don't know whose idea this is, but I was always kind of under the impression if you make the mistake, you just take care of it yourself. I mean, it isn't like these people didn't pay taxes. The benefits were just not done correctly. Social Security says, well, you know, we're undermanned. We don't have enough people. Well, they've got enough people that they offered 6,800 of them early retirement. There are 60,000 Social Security employees. Um, there's 69 million getting benefits. That's what, a little over 1,000 clients per person. That spread over a year, I would have thought they could have done their job correctly. Evidently not. So if you were on SSI or any of the uh, Social Security problems, if they overpaid you, you're going to get a letter. And it's going to demand payment in 30 days. Otherwise, they will have asset forfeiture. Mm. All right. Mm. Now, my, my favorite man, Al Gore, says that people should not have access to non-mainstream information because it threatens democracy. So if you're not listening to NBC, CBS, and the other baloney out there, if you're listening to a podcast like ours, it doesn't necessarily agree. Al Gore doesn't believe that you should be able to do that. Now, as I review the Constitution, that's not what the Constitution says. <laughs> so when you have people like Al Gore, you have people like Joe Biden, you have, well, and the Republicans, let's face it. Um, our life, our rights, our lifestyles are threatened. And in this next year, I think we're going to see some problems, um, much worse than what they're leading up to and showing us right now. Ford has decided that they don't need as many electric vehicles uh, or the F-150 as they initially thought. So they're getting rid of 50% of them. Hmm. Warren Buffett dumped $24 billion in stock. He now has $157 billion in cash he wants to invest in, but he can't find anything that he wants to invest in. Does that tell you about the state of the economy in the world and the United States? If it doesn't, give me a call. I'll help you get your dosage ready for Christmas because obviously your meds are not working. Yeah. All right. That uh, doesn't surprise me at all about the uh, F-150. It's almost like whoever's in charge of marketing in there doesn't know their audience. I mean, do you really think F-150 drivers in Texas are going to want an electric vehicle? It's almost as bad as when Chevy marketed their new Chevy Nova years ago. I think it was back in the 70s down in Mexico without stopping to realize that Nova, N-O-V-A, means no go, won't go. <laughs> Nobody in Mexico would buy the Nova and they just didn't didn't do their homework. So uh, yeah, uh, no electric F-150s, uh, Not no surprise there. Well, how would you like that in the middle of the mountains in Colorado? Oh, yeah. Well, I'd love to depend on a battery there, wouldn't you? Especially yeah. pulling a trailer or something. Yeah. It would no, make no it's, sense. It's all part of the scam, you know, just uh, you listen to the uh, – uh, the podcast I did this this Monday, two days ago, with uh, Alex Newman, he exposes it beautifully in one or two sentences. He completely dismantles the the entire uh, you know uh, hoax of the climate uh, agenda and the, the attempt to get rid of fossil fuels. It's 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 a no brainer for anybody who actually takes the time to look at it. Just as the virus and the vaccine and all these other things, you know. Watch the science, they say, um, but uh, the science is wrong. Science is a Christian's best friend when it's legitimate, but when it's bought and paid for and lies, then, uh, then yeah, they can't hide behind a, a dishonest science. Well, and Dr. Fauci came out this last week and said, I am science. You must believe me. Acting like a godlike figure, and I'm going, 
why is this little weasel still in the public domain? Don't we have an arrest warrant out for him or something for everything he did? If we don't, we should. We should. Yeah, back in the day, we would have. He would have been, you know, uh, there would have been a, a posse that was sent out to to, to, to find him. But to not anymore. He's just complete. The government's complicit. And we're paying him $400,000 a month in retirement. I feel real good about that. I think that is money well spent, just like another $61 billion to the Ukraine would be. Oh. Battle's over, the war's over, they're losing, but they want another $61 billion. I suggest they go back and they take all of that money they absconded with from their own funds and maybe pour that back into the war effort and see how that works out for them. <laughs> now, I guess we'll see what happens today because that is when Congress supposedly is going to decide. All right, so let's talk about the United States and our economy. All right, the U.S. debt is up by $2 trillion since we mentioned this a couple months ago. Um, they're, they're spending money like a drunken sailor. They're spending $600 billion a month that we don't have. We have no hope of ever paying it back. And I don't understand why the world's not going, eh, we don't want your money. Mm. Certain aspects of the world are, but... A median new home, all right, $424,000. The median income is $36,000. Please tell me how you buy a house on that income, all right? Our federal employees have grown to 23,875,398 people. I don't know what they're doing, but it sure hasn't sped up dealing with the government. Mm -hmm. All right, bankruptcies. 387,311. Foreclosures, 116,647. Homeless people, 609,846. Living in poverty, 27,009,884. No insurance, 43,350,000. Food stamps, 41 million. College tuition is now $26,000 a year. Healthcare costs are now 14,451. Now, the deficit's up to 34 trillion. Our unfunded liabilities, like we have talked before, are 212 trillion up from 194 trillion, as we talked about just a couple of months ago. Um, Median income is 36000 How do you ever get that paid back? I mean, there, there is no chance. A normal mortgage is $3,322. Mm. Rent is $2,150. A car is $1,000. Now, if everybody doesn't understand where we're going here, I don't care what the stock market's doing. I don't care what gold and silver are doing. If you look at these figures and you don't understand that it's done, then... God help us. That's all mm -hmm. I can say. All right. Now, uh, we've been talking about credit cards and stuff like that. I've taken an interest in that because I'm learning more and more just how dishonest they are. I uh, took out one the other day and I'm looking at it and it gives me the interest rate. And I'm going, it doesn't say how that rate was arrived at. So I call the company. I get somebody that really doesn't speak English very well. But by the end of the conversation, she she knew where I was. Basically, they figure the interest rate at prime plus a certain number that they determine themselves. So anytime the prime interest rate goes up, your insurance or your interest rates going up too. Now, what I thought was interesting, I said, so if the prime rate goes down, then my interest rate goes down. No, no, it won't go down. This just affects the upper limit. And so I asked this lady, so what is my upper limit? She says, well, According to your statement there, there is no upper limit. Oh, wow. <laughs> in other words, brace up because they get in tough times. You're going you're gonna to get a surprise that uh, you would have never, never expected before. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to review what they're dealing with so that you're not getting yourself in trouble if you're one of those Christmas spenders. All right. So we gave Mr. Zelensky at the first part of the week another $200 million dollars. Um, he wants 61 billion where they're going to come up with, I don't know, but supposedly he's meeting with the uh, Republican um, Speaker of the House today. We'll see what those good gentlemen come up with. 
should be very interesting. Um, there are so many things that are concerning anymore. You don't know where to stand. We've given them almost $100 billion, but yet they have an American prisoner in custody by the name of Gonzalez Libra. And basically, he criticized the Ukraine when he was over there. So, you know, we don't need a trial. We don't need anything. We just slap him in prison. Now, for criticizing the Ukraine, if you don't like that, kick him out of the country. But if I'm giving you $100 billion and you have one of my citizens in there illegally, I think I would demand him back and go, money's here, bring him back, and don't ever do it again. But we do nothing. But that would be a bit like the pot calling the kettle black because we do the same thing in this country now. We're, this isn't uh, your father's Oldsmobile anymore. This is a, we're a new country now. We imprison dissidents for criticizing uh, political opponents, for criticizing the outcome of an election, which was provably rigged, and, and they've been provably rigged for decades. Uh, and uh, for you know misdemeanor trespassing, uh, people get locked up in prison, no due diligence, uh, you know, no uh, you know, constitutional rights. Uh, and so, yeah, this is, uh, you know, not surprising at all. And by the way, as you alluded to earlier, it's not just a Democrat issue. I mean, it's worse when Democrats are in office because their very platform is anti-American and anti-Bible and anti-moral values. But uh, the Republicans are just as controlled and, uh, you know, they do the same thing with torture and they call it enhanced interrogation and, you know, you know, not you know, the civil forfeiture. You alluded to that earlier. That was something that was put in place under a Republican uh, administration. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, this is this is a different world. And I think it's all uh, you know, kind of coming to a head. Now, I want to go back to this debt that you talk, talked about, individual debt. Do you agree that it's not so much about trying to continue to get more uh, usury, more uh, interest from the individuals? Because at some point it becomes, you can't get it from them. I mean, it's so exorbitant, you're not going to get it. I think it's about crippling people to the point where they literally could never pay the debt, uh, just like America could never pay its $34 trillion in debt. So at some point, somebody comes in and says, okay, look, I'll forgive your debt. Just sign right here on the dotted line. And you're signing away, <clears throat> in the case of individuals, your individual sovereignty. And so now you have universal basic income. You have you know limits to where you can travel, what you can say, what you can eat, wh wh where you can get medical you know, uh, treatment. And in the case of America, it will be signing away our national sovereignty to where we sign on to the new world order. So it's basically a tool to break us, not just to get more money, right? Exactly. You will have nothing and you will enjoy it. You will accept it. That's a, they're, they're putting us down this pipeline right in front of our face and nobody is doing anything about it. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I'm 67 years old, almost. And I didn't think I'd ever see anything like this in my life. But we're watching everything unfold and happen. And we talk about it. Nothing is done about it. But if you don't believe what's happening, read the Bible. It told us what's going to happen. It gave us a guideline. I, I, I you know, it, it's mm. to the point where we know what the problem is. There's no way to stop it. Mm. I don't believe that we ever will stop it. Yeah. Now, one thing I wanted to add about our prisoner in the Ukraine, uh, the Ukraine police that picked him up had an interesting way of interrogating him. They went ahead and took a, um, uh, let's see, what were, I, I don't know if it was a pen or a pencil, and scratched the whites of his left eye out and mm -hmm. said, you'll be able to see you still have your right eye. Oh. Now, I don't know about you, but whatever. I mean, you're mm -hmm. right. Do as we say, not as we do. Yeah. Because we are more responsible. We are more into some of this stuff than people will ever understand. Mm. All right. From Semaphore, which is one of the uh, news services I get some information from, evidently one of the uh, large financial news websites was caught using AI to basically steal their competitors' um, newscasts put it in its own language, and rebroadcast it. Now, I've got the name of the company, and I'm going to give it because basically it is now well-known news. 
It's called investing.com. So in other words, they didn't worry about doing their own research. It's just your research looks good. I'm going to go ahead and use that and make it look like ours. (laughs) You know, I got a problem with that. Mm. Um, There is no integrity. Okay. Now, the scientists in the United States have now developed a new way to give you the vaccines. And that's basically using an ultrasound. So you can inject it, you can stick it up your nose, and now they can ultrasound it for you. When you're at the doctor's office with absolutely no problem, they'll be happy to do it. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. You know, that'd be a great way to do it. Did you make your appointment yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gave my name as yours, so I- Oh, thank it. you. I appreciate it. I, that's that's nice of you. Very kind of you. Well, I knew you would appreciate that, you know, especially going on vacation. Get it before you leave, right? Is that my Christmas present? No, your Christmas presents when you get home. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The director of the CDC, Mindy Cohen, says get your vaccination now, avoid sick people, and mask up. Mm. Now, when and where did we hear about this before? You know, it's been proven that the vax was worthless. The masks are worthless, but here they are with the same tired story again. Mm-hmm. So we know what are they getting ready to lock us down or what? Mm-hmm. More than likely. Um, all right, let's go to Israel. Now, if you've noticed in the news in the last couple of days, the Biden administration is really starting to push back against Israel, supposedly because of the non-military casualties. Um, Israel being too aggressive. As we mentioned when this started out, Biden is looking for a way to look like the hero and then step out on them like he did in Afghanistan, like we're doing in um, the Ukraine. We get in there, we start the mess, and then we get out. Ukraine, we're going to be out of it. Russians are going to take over that place. So we've spent $100 billion. Probably three-quarters of a million to a million soldiers have died. Billions of civilians have died. We accomplished nothing. Same thing we accomplished in Afghanistan, Vietnam, and so many other wars. We have to get out there so the rich become richer, and we try to flout our influence, and it accomplishes nothing Mm. except massive death, all right? The battles in the uh, Israeli sectors right now, the North is fighting Hezbollah. There's more of a war going on there than they tell us every day. I mean, it is to the point where I looked yesterday, I think there were 100 different battles going on, give or take a couple, in Lebanon against Hezbollah, against Hamas. You know, that's an everyday battle. They're starting to flood the tunnels. Um, People like China, people like Russia are complaining about flooding the tunnels, saying, you know, that's a red line. You cannot cross that. So we'll we'll see where this goes. I think it's going to escalate. I do not believe that this war is over by any means. And it's going to be, it's going to get worse and it's going to affect more and more people all the time, starting to affect the U.S. because we have soldiers in Israel, Syria, Iraq. We have the Navy over in the Red Sea. We have it in the Mediterranean. There were actual attacks against our ships. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to get worse. Yeah. What I think so let me let me weigh in on the Israel thing. Uh, I don't know if you caught uh, uh, the news uh, that the House passed a bill stating that anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. Uh, that's very interesting, as with many things in this postmodern world where language, you know, has multiple meanings and, and you have to kind of define, drill down and define the terms. Um, you know, is it anti-Semitic? to criticize Netanyahu for forcing Israelis to take the death shot and working hand in glove with all the pharmaceutical companies and being on the phone constantly with Klaus Schwab during the pandemic, getting his marching orders from him. Is that, does that make me an anti-Semite because I criticized a secular, non-believing Jewish leader? Uh, no, of course not. Not any more than it makes me un-American to criticize Obama, right? I love our country and you can be pro-Israel and still 
you know, criticize certain actions of the secular Jewish leadership today, which is not there in belief. And it just it just baffles me the way so many Bible prophecy experts today don't have, or at least are choosing not to have, the, the, the ability to nuance this. And it's like, if you say anything remotely critical about anything related to Israel, suddenly you're an anti-Semite. And I just feel like that is uh, going to come back to uh, to bite them. Uh, I mean, I, I think we need to support Israel right now. We don't need to be petty and nitpicky about certain things. Nobody's perfect. We want to be gracious. But to suggest that the slightest constructive criticism of secular leaders within Israel uh, is makes you anti-Semitic is just uh, naive, and it's disingenuous, and it's intellectually false. Now, another thing I, I want to get your take on here, Randy, is it seems like, quite obviously, the tide is shifting against Israel, which this is a huge concern, because, you know, as I've said many times, you know, what Hamas did was unspeakable, the, the evil, the horrific atrocities and so forth, and they deserve everything they're getting. Any nation, whether they're Israel or not, that's an ally of ours that is attacked in that way, uh, we should support them wiping Hamas off the face of the earth. I'm all for that. Um and we should be for that because they're our ally, and uh, what was done to them was completely uh, unjust. Uh, but it seems like the tide is shifting now against Israel. Uh, Biden, of course, has come out and spoken against them. The Secretary of State Blinken has. And so we see, uh, is this setting the stage? And this is where I'd like to get your take. Is this setting the stage for nations to turn militarily against Israel um, which would be would be terrible, and it would be kind of right out of biblical prophecy with some of the end times uh, uh, wars. I think we should support Israel, but I don't think we sh it should be blind support of every action that the leadership takes any more than I think we should blindly be allegiant to our government, which is filled with rogue elements within our U.S. government that are not doing things in the best interest of our country. Your thoughts on that? I agree totally. I mean, you know, when things happen and you have an ally that's fighting a war for their survival, they have to fight the war. We're not fighting it. We're supporting them. But how they fight it, whether we like it or not, is their business, not ours. We stick our nose in everything. We are the ones in Ukraine. We got the Ukrainians to fight the Russians. It cost Ukraine a generation of men, billions of dollars. Their infrastructure is gone for the next 50 years. We're trying to dictate things that do not affect us. We have no business in. I agree totally. Now, do some of the things the Israelis do, do I like it? No. But there are a lot of things in life I don't like. The thing is, we can voice our concern, and we should. But we are not the speaker for the world. We are not the policeman for the world. You know, we do it to our allies every time. We're gung-ho, we're there, we're there, and then they do something we don't like, and we pull out. But I think this leads right up to the Gog-Magog War. The reason the United States is not mentioned, it's either we're destroyed, we are no longer a political and military powerhouse or whatever, and I believe in this, I believe this all of my life. The minute we turn on Israel, we no longer support them in this war, I think the judgment of God is going to be quick and furious on our country. Amen. Yeah, hearty amen to that. I mean, and and by the way, I I'm not an expert on military uh, techniques, but as far as I can tell, I don't think Israel's done anything wrong in defending themselves against this Hamas thing. They Israel does goes above and beyond to prevent collateral damage. They they drop leaflets, they make announcements, they give warnings, they pur purposely avoid at great uh, go to great lengths to avoid civilian areas. Hamas is just the opposite. Hamas does collateral murder on purpose. They seek out uh, high uh, civilian uh, density places, and they, they they as we know, they rape, they pillage, they torment, they torture. Uh, Israel does not do that. And so, I mean, obviously, again, people can nitpick, and they might point out certain mistakes that even in this military engagement that Israel has done. I'm not even saying that. As far as I know, they really haven't done uh, anything particularly bad other than the normal, you know, course of war. Accidents happen. Mistakes are made. War is messy and ugly and, and evil. Um, but all I'm saying is that 
we are rapidly approaching and, and the Luciferians love to do this. They love to make people take sides. And we have gotten to the point, and, I, and sadly, I think even many evangelical Bible prophecy experts are falling into that trap, where you cannot have an, an intellectual, biblical, analytical discussion about Israel and say anything constructively critical about them, or else you are blackballed and called anti-Semitic. And that, my friends, is just not fair, and it's not accurate, and it's it's just not an, an honest way to have a discussion. So I hope that people hear my heart on this, and they're able to nuance this the way uh, I am, you know, uh, but it's just, uh, I see the tide turning so that, you know, Israel is going to become public enemy number one, as we know the Bible says they're going to, and I'm not at all confident in our current leadership uh, of us being able to support them. I mean, there's all kinds of speculation of what happens in 2024. One scenario that somebody emailed me about is that perhaps Trump gets back in, and by that I mean they select Trump to be the, the figurehead leader of our country, uh, and, and then he supports uh, Israel, and uh, and that sort of is the calm before the storm. I don't know, but all I know is uh, I sense a shifting of direction in our stance toward Israel. And very quickly, uh, yeah. within the next few weeks, I think we're going to be out of there, or at least trying to be. I mean, the argument's no different than when you're talking about Antifa, Black Lives Matter, or whatever. When the other side loses a factual basis to discuss, they pull a race card. Mm. If they don't have anything else to say, they want to shame you, even though it's not factual, to try to push their way of thinking down your throat. That's what's wrong with this country. But I will tell you what, if Biden pulls out on Israel and leaves them to their own devices, America better watch out because God's going to go, you know what? I've given you everything. I've done everything for you. You had a job to do. You didn't do it. And now my judgment is there. And I think it's coming quickly. The only other thing I want to say is I think it's really interesting that all of the leaders of Hamas that were in Qatar and other countries, all of a sudden when the Israelis start, you know, really getting getting going, really uh, getting the battles underway, they all disappear. Nobody knows where they went. Nobody can contact them. But if they think Mossad will not track them down to the ends of the earth, I want you to go back and look what they did to the Nazis in World War II. They tracked them to Argentina. They've tracked them to the United States in jobs. 50, 60 years later, the Israelis will track them down, find them, and dispose of them. There is no doubt in my mind, and I consider that justice. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no doubt. There's been some great uh, Hollywood TV series and movie series about, you know, hunting down the Nazis uh, decades later. Um, but yeah, that's a great point. Well, Randy, uh, good discussion, good, good, invigorating discussion. I get, you know, my, my blood pressure goes up when I hear some of these stories. I mean, it's a, it's just a different world. It's hard to think about America and the America that you and I knew when we were younger, and 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 yet, you know, here here we are. I mean, it, it just, uh, it's it's a world. It's almost surreal, you know. I saw one story. Uh, and I didn't know if you were going to get into this, but in Seattle, a 10th grade student in a public school uh, taking you know, the class was Ethnic Studies World History. Um, and there was a course, a class uh, session titled Understanding Gender Versus Sex. And the student answered on a quiz that man can't, men can't get pregnant. You know, can men, can man get pregnant? No, only women can get pregnant. He said he failed the quiz. Yep. <laughs> he failed the quiz um, because he answered, you know, correctly. Uh, I mean, this is like the twilight zone. And, and I tell you what, folks more than ever before need to be rooted in the word of God. Remember the verse that we started with today, hope deferred makes the heart sick. See, if we didn't have the Word of God and the Bible prophecy and the big picture of God's plan of the ages, our hearts would be sick, sicker than they already are, that we would be depressed. We would have no place to turn, and, and it would be like a wheel spinning off its axis, out of control, no balance, no hope. But we do have hope. 
uh, we do have hope. And what a great contrast, as H.A. Ironside said in that quote, uh, to the world's uh, perspective. And so, Randy, thanks so much uh, for your time today. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Now, folks, we're going to try to do next week's World Events Update. That would be December 20th uh, remotely. Uh, that's the plan. Uh, depending on where we are and, and connectivity and those types of things, we may have to uh, forego next week's. If so, we'll post an announcement or so forth. But at this point, it's all systems go, uh, business as usual. Then the week between Christmas and New Year's, that Wednesday, we will take a break, catch our breath, and then kick off again with World Events Update uh, in January, the first week of January. So, Lord willing, one more World Events weekend or World Events Update to go next Wednesday. If something prevents that, we will certainly uh, let you know. And as always, if anything major comes up, any you know world-changing event or crisis, we will hop on right away from wherever I am on this trip. Uh, and post an emergency uh, broadcast uh, uh, to get Randy's thoughts on kind of what, what's happening. But pray for us as we travel. Uh, we are, you know, today's the 13th, so we're 12 days away from Christmas. There's still time to get in your Christmas uh, orders. Uh, my heart's desire and prayer is for as many people as possible to read uh, my recent triad, The Spirit of the Antichrist, Volumes 1 and 2, and Spirit of the False Prophet, Rise of the Global Technocracy. I think it really prepares people for what's coming down the pike in 2024. It shares the gospel. It connects the dots biblically. It's a comprehensive overview in those three books of the Luciferian conspiracy. Uh, if you get your orders in in the next few days, you'll probably still get uh, the order by Christmas. And of course, we have different expedited shipping options as well on our online store. It's a very robust online store that uh, we have put together with Brooks' help over the last year. Uh, so check it out. Lots of great gospel resources in there. Our cross puzzle, that's a great stocking stuffer to help people understand the gospel. Uh, gospel tracks you can purchase in bundles of 100. Um, and, uh, you know, as always, just we want to get the message of God's grace out. So uh, if we can help with anything, give us a call. And uh, Randy, thanks again. Any closing thoughts? Merry Christmas, everybody. Enjoy this Christmas like it may be the last one like this because it may very well be. Yeah, 2024, you're, you're exactly right. It's uh, more than ever before, I sense that a lot of things are coming, uh, kind of hitting a, a pinnacle here in 2024. Time will tell, but we know who holds the future. Uh, we know the Lord is in control. We know that all who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, God's Son, who died and rose again for their sins, have that eternal hope. Uh, beyond question, fully secure, sealed until the day of redemption, uh, because Jesus said, I give you eternal life and you shall never perish. So God bless you, everyone. Merry Christmas. Please stay tuned in throughout the holidays. We've got some fantastic podcasts already uh, posted and ready to drop on each day. I know you'll benefit from the discussions that I had with some pretty awesome guests. So God bless. We will talk again soon. Merry Christmas, everyone.